From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Deconstructing psyops, propaganda, and mainstream media garbage. Connecting the dots. You're with Matt Arrett and Connecting the Dots on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, welcome to this week's Connecting the Dots on TNT Radio. I'm once again your host, Matt Arrett, and joining me today for my first guest is Anton Shake. And a, I, I, I mean, I don't feel bad calling Anton Shake and a legendary historian before I was even born. Uh, Anton was already researching, mapping out, publishing uh, material on the some of the best research that I've ever come across in terms of understanding the nature of this thing that has recently de- been dubbed the deep state. But it's not. I mean, that's a it's a, an elusive word, deep state. Um, it's a recent word. But there was an understanding that there was a fifth column in America, that not everything was resolved after 1776, that there was this this other thing. That was not not American in its heart. Perhaps it, it it involved people born in America. It is multi generational, but it is not directed from anything and it does anything American and it doesn't care about American interests. If anything, the purpose of this is to erase what was brought into the world in 1776. Um, and so Anton has written books like Treason in America, which I've read several times, high value back in 1984. More recently, Anton has written. Who We Are, America's Fight for Univ- Universal Progress from Franklin to Kennedy, Volume 1, leading up from the 1750s to the 1850s, and currently Anton is working through Volume 2. Anton, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your research and discoveries with myself and the audience. Thank you, Matt. It's great to uh, be with you and to hear such fulsome praise of my work. Uh, uh, I'm definitely giving my life to it. So here we are. Yeah, you uh, you definitely walked the walk and you earned it. So, like that. That being said, you you've brought something very very I think special as a as a unique uh, analysis or way of approaching things. A lot of people are very much inclined to uh, oversimplify their analysis of the past, either by painting the USA and it's it's from its early days onward as a colonial oppressive nature, which has only destroyed natives who were living here, who uh, uh, only had this very imperial Pax Americana spirit that was never really thus legitimate because it was always based on pillage, slavery, very cynical uh, view. And then uh, there's an opposing school that says, no, it was all legitimate. The weak should be necessarily... um, replaced by the strong that that manifest destiny has always been this one good thing there's nothing bad to criticize about america and there's obviously a a a truth which is lost in this false debate and schism now you you've brought across the fact that there is this other way of thinking and and it really shapes your entire analysis and i was hoping you could maybe just introduce quickly what is this healthier other path that you've figured out or have learned to uh, to to use as you analyze the battles and the clashes of these different schools uh, shaping America's past? Well, I started with the uh, understanding that there is a uh, a vital value in the accomplishments of our industrial civilization that the world needs desperately. The world needs the electricity, the capabilities, the power, 
people can't be safe or uh, they can't do anything now. They won't survive without this. Uh, and so I studied how this came about. How did we get these capabilities? And I found that the evildoers of the world never built them, that it came from people with a better intention. So then in, in the United States, uh, there were tremendous accomplishments that aided mankind, especially this industrial uh, capability that was spread around the world. Uh, to a certain extent. And then it was, there were also crimes committed uh, by uh, America. And uh, going deeper into it, you see these two sides inside the country. Uh, one we, we've talked about before, the American system, people who believed in uh, the progress of the country and the progress of mankind. And the other side is transatlantic uh, uh, powers, uh, people, financiers and people affiliated with the, especially the British empire. So, uh, this is my, my approach to discover what the, uh, Americans in the best sense of that term, the ones who wanted that progress, who fought for that progress, wanted to do what they accomplished and, and, you know, what was the battle on the both sides uh, all the way through. Um, so I wanted to talk today a bit about the settlement of the West, uh, which occurs mainly uh, after the Civil War. I'm talking about the Mountain West going out to the Pacific, but particularly I'll, I'll focus on the Mountain West. So you, you it, mean like the Alleghenies uh, around the original 13 colonies, kind of, or you mean no, like the Mountain West, like no. Colorado and, and the Rockies? This, and, and... About, yes, a good question. The Rocky okay. Mountains. This is okay. a after you pass the Mississippi, you're in the Great Plains. The Great Plains go up to the Rocky Mountains. Now you're in Colorado, Idaho, Montana, down to New Mexico, uh, maybe mm -hmm. Arizona. And, and in this area, uh, there was a settlement uh, by the Americans going west after the Civil War. And I want to focus on a particular uh, very progressive man progressive in the best sense. Uh, it's a somewhat distorted idea today. <laughs> uh, uh, his name is, uh, his name is uh, William J. Palmer. And he is the, he's the most famous developer of Colorado. He founded Colorado Springs. He built the industries of Colorado. He developed the railroads there. Uh, earlier, he was a, a Medal of Honor winner in the Civil War. He was a civilian who joined the army, uh, Quaker, actually. He, didn't, he uh, hated war and killing, so it was a tough, tough decision. But he's a brave man. He, he, during the war, he went against war crimes committed by, his own by Union troops. And he actually shot a couple of guys in a gun battle when they were abusing Southern uh, uh, civilians. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this man uh, worked with the Pennsylvania Railroad with the with the Nationalists in Philadelphia. That's a, a whole big story. And he went out west, and, and uh, he his strategy for the West. This is what's important. And this is the strategy going back to Lincoln and Henry Carey, and really to all the way to the founding for the the best Americans. 
And that is you want to build up uh, family farms and industries, the, the modern, uh, really heavy industries, uh, steel mills. And you want to build beautiful cities and towns along the Rocky Mountains. Uh, the resources, which are abundant there, and minerals, uh, and there's water resources too, if you carefully deal with that. Uh, but th the resources would be used in the region to build up a, an industrial and agricultural civilization with millions of settlers who would be mm. independent and skilled people, cultured people. There was a enemy strategy for the region uh, by the Boston and New York and London financiers and corporations that they ran. And their strategy was to have huge tracts of land taken over by uh, people who would strip off the resources and sell them. Land uh, speculators, cattle barons, timber barons, mine, international mining interests, and they would have an underclass uh, who were uneducated and uh, you know, just vulnerable, and the, the, the region would never be developed. So he, he built a, a beautiful uh, set of institutions in Colorado, but then he ran into, I mean, we, we run into in the story, the question of the American Indians who were there mm. before these people went out and settled this area. Uh, so the, it, it, at, uh, in 1880, after he had done tremendous development in Colorado, by the way, he fought against the imperialists, literally. In other words, his railroad, he attempted to build his railroad all the way to Mexico City. And the uh, his his railroad was the Denver and Rio Grande, and the the enemy, uh, the Santa Fe Railroad, uh, tried to cut him off, going uh, east west. He's building south from Denver, and uh, he 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 actually did build the Mexican National Railways in cooperation with the Mexican nationalists. But this other railroad cut him off. And the guy that ran that other railroad, Thomas Jefferson Coolidge, uh, made the, his family made their money in the opium trade in China. And then this fellow himself started the United Fruit Company that, that pillaged Central America and really led to the terrible chaos that's there now and poverty. So the, this, that is the... Wow. And, and is there any relationship to... Calvin Coolidge, or is that a, just no, a coincidental name? No, it was a distant name? relation, except that he let this, those okay. people into power when he was president. He, he okay, was so you're saying, just to recapitulate, this, this this individual represented the power interest that, that he directly brought online United Fruit at the same time as he was creating these... No, these a little bit later. United Fruit was a little bit later. the turn of the century. We're talking here in the 17, 1870s and 80s. So now... okay. Into this place, Colorado Springs, a beautiful, picturesque community that he that Palmer founded, comes a lady from Boston named Helen Hunt, and she's a writer, very talented, but she's not particularly, you know, interested in the these underclasses of any kind, and she married in Colorado Springs, Palmer's partner, 
guy named uh, William Jackson. And she became Helen Hunt Jackson. And he, being a Quaker like Palmer, you know, he's well, he's well off as a businessman, a railroad guy, but he's, he fought, he was running the, the Underground Railroad in his community back east, like Palmer. Palmer was a fabulous uh, abolitionist. So they fought for black rights. And so he encouraged this, his new wife to uh, care about the disadvantaged and the underclasses. Uh, he didn't particularly pay attention to the Indians. So she she went back east after she married him. She went back east and attended a lecture by a very famous Indian at the time. His name's Standing Bear. And he was from the Ponca tribe from Nebraska. Gave a lecture series in Boston and elsewhere. And he, he told the story of his tribe for having been in Nebraska and being displaced by settlers uh, after the federal government had promised they could keep the land. They were displaced and they were shifted about mercilessly. One treaty after another was broken with them. They were moved down to Oklahoma to the Indian Territory. And then uh, uh, they, it was barren and they couldn't farm there. They had been farmers in Nebraska. They were chased off their lands. These are not just, you know, nomads, right? So uh, they they broke out of the reservation in Oklahoma and were walking up north back to Nebraska. And they were uh, on the orders of the President uh, Hayes and, and uh, the Secretary of the Interior, Carl Schurz, a terrible man. They were arrested and it put in a prison of a stockade, Western stockade. They tried to break out of there. They were recaptured and massacred and shot down in a ditch. So this guy, this is a famous uh, thing. John Ford made a, a, a movie about this, Cheyenne Autumn. Uh, so what happened is they went to federal court with some help from people in Nebraska. And they won a famous federal court decision that Indians are people under the law. And I'm not gonna, I don't have time to go into this any, any deeper, but Helen, Helen Jackson went back to Colorado Springs and wrote, she, well, she spent time in, in New York and, and researched uh, some of the same places I did my research. And she she wrote a fabulous book called Century, A Century of Dishonor about the, uh, the, the abuse and, and of the Indians in the United States from the very founding. And the, the way this works is that people, uh, the, the government will make a treaty. And often it is people of goodwill who make that treaty. And the treaty says, well, you, you, we're going to reserve land for you. And that will be your, your land. And, and the Congress and the president, Washington, told the Indians in the Northwest Territory, going back to 1787, we're reserving this land. We're going we're gonna to have settlers coming out there, but this part of that area is yours. And 
you if any white man goes on there without the permission of author federal authorities you can do with him as you want that was said again and again and the government always forgot about it <laughs> but those are note, promises let's uh let's hold this in mind and uh we're gonna shift gears very very briefly as we okay. go into a few little commercials so a word from our sponsors on tnt radio.live and then we're gonna come back to continue this story soon TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular, we can build that. We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. So we're back with the second segment for the first hour with Anton Chaikin. Um, We were just going through certain very important concepts of history to hold in mind for anybody trying to make sense of the, the present. Obviously, context is everything. So history is a really important place to learn how to navigate. The problem, obviously, is that it is littered, littered with dishonesty, misinformation, people who are just making mistakes and they didn't even realize it because they have their own bag of blind assumptions that they're bringing into their own analysis and publishing books and whatever. So it's really important to have a principle, a, a guiding star that one can look at as a universal that we can hold on to as we as we cut through. Well, what do we keep? What do we throw away? Anton was getting across the importance of recognizing the power of industrial progress, that this, this was never given to anybody. It was never given to mankind by an oligarchy. This was always fought for every step of the way. And sometimes, um, there's challenges like the fact that there are already people living in North America and South America and Central America. There are already people who who were here for a very long time. Now, the question is for um, a civilization, which is 
much more industrially and, and scientifically uh, at, a, at, a, at a higher level. What do you do when you when you encounter these people with their own cultures, their own um, languages, their own stories, their own beautiful uh, cultural traditions that are already here? Obviously, a lot of a dishonest person can uh, take advantage of their of their position on that technological improved platform and abuse, extinguish, do all sorts of things uh, to hurt and uh, the, the weaker groupings. However, Anton was getting across that there is a much more beautiful, good intention current that is often lost in the mix within America uh, that had a very different view of interfacing with the natives. And, and so, Anton, I'll just I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just let you continue. But I, I have a question before we before we get back on the path. Um, sure. Is it what do you say to people who 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 assert that? the best we could do is just leave the natives alone and uh and any anything that we would try to do would be uh destructive if we tried to share our technology with natives that would be disruptive and thus destructive to their uh traditions we, the best we could do is just leave them alone and um and how do you respond to that very popular way of thinking that you know, maybe the reservation system is the way to go, and just just actually abiding by the reservation system uh, would be the would be the only viable pathway for uh, for North America or, or other well, cultures as well. It it it's it's uh it's avoiding uh, the actual history of of the thing. Um, Teddy Roosevelt, later the president, uh, a terrible president of the United States, imperialist, racist. Back in uh, 1889, wrote a book called Winning of the West. And in that book, he attacks Helen Hunt Jackson for writing this book that I'm talking about. It was hmm. very famous at the time. This whole, the, this whole story was famous. And it's lost in the mists of time because of the fact that, really, that Helen Jackson was pro-Christian and pro-American. And she's writing this condemnation of what America was doing. Does that ring a bell with people? I'm pro-American and I condemn what the United States is doing in the world now. And you can't really, you can't really uh, make a serious attack on what the U.S. and Britain are, are are doing criminally doing in the world, you can't you can't understand what you're talking about unless you cherish what the USA in particular has accomplished in the world, and is and is betraying dishonorably by what they're doing now. So what what Teddy Roosevelt lied about, and what's in her book, is that. The as the people went west in the early days into the Midwest and later into the far west, uh, they encountered Indians. And in many cases, the initial encounter was friendly. Uh, and when they made arrangements to uh, say, you are living on a certain amount of land, you don't need a million square miles but you can have this 10,000 square miles for your tribe. 
or this 1,000 square miles, that's your land. That's your traditional land. You're farming there. Maybe there's some hunting there. The buffalo is not going to be the vast herds, but reserving this land. And the Indians very often wanted to get the latest technology for agriculture and saw the advantage of having uh, an upgrade in their powers. Uh, remember that people all over the Americas, going down to Central America and recently discovers in Brazil and the Amazon, people built cities for thousands of years. Right. That's that. That's so. Anyway, uh, what? Mm. But what? What specifically happened was that treaties were made to reserve lands, and in the treaties it said we're going to give you the technology and assistance you need because we are breaking apart your old means of living. So we owe you a helping hand to join our civilization. And then they didn't do it. They didn't give that helping hand. There was no serious attempt to assimilate the American natives. That's the problem. So uh, now let me let me go go first of all I want to read a little uh, just a short excerpt from Lincoln. I, I would just so say one has, thing before you read the the, the the excerpt from Lincoln is that uh, the the very word itself means something different in the Star Trek modern era that you know we know about characters like the Borgs in Star Trek that say you know you will be assimilated resistance is futile. That's a very different idea than the type of thoughts associated with the word that you're using, which didn't involve simply destroying the humanity of a people as they're absorbed into a, a automata um, empire. It's a very different idea, right? Because you're you're saying it in such a manner yes. that they won't lose their their cultural identities, but at the same time they will uh, take part in um, the the something something more universal as well that involves appreciating assimilating technological progress and things that have benefited western civilization so-called at the same right. time well okay so first of all in our world unless you have the power of uh building industry and make uh, you know refining metals and uh, and and uh, replenishing the soil and using a small area to produce a lot of food and, and, and enrich the soil, unless you have these technologies, you're not going to be independent. You'll lose inde independence to imperialists. You have to. So uh, I'll give you an example. This has to do with the respect for the other people that don't have those yet. So we made a treaty. Uh, after the Civil War with China. It's called the Burlingame Treaty. And this was a, a, on the basis of respect for China. Lincoln sent an ambassador Burlingame there, and they sent Burlingame back as their ambassador to make this treaty. This was an 1868 treaty, and it said uh, that uh, the U.S. will not tell China when to have a railroad. You're not going to go and build railroads and you run them and stuff. But when we decide that we want a railroad and we ask you for help, you will provide engineers and assistance. And that's in the treaty. 
get the flavor of this. This is an ancient civilization that is, is encountering the modern world and wants to be independent. They can't mm -hmm. be independent if they're at the mercy of people who have higher technology. And you and it's the whole thing is based on respect for them. The same thing was going on with the South. We should have done this with the South after the Civil War to respect the people of the South, black and white, and say, we want to rebuild the South from the war in your interest. That means no more cotton plantations. What you need is industry and high wage jobs and high profit agriculture that's family farms, not sharecroppers. Everybody benefits. And we're not going to do it with troops. You would have 90% of the people behind that in the South. Peacefully. Respect. The whole, this is a Confucian notion, right? We have to learn really from China in this. That's Confucius and Mencius. Respect for the other people. This goes back to ancient Greece. They had the same thing. So Lincoln said that we that no people who have this power of concentrated scientific agriculture that, that comes from in our civilization, no people that have that will ever be uh, oppressed by money kings, crown kings, or land kings. And he said that the real problem that causes wars is that people do not have sympathy with strangers. And that is the, that is the cause of the wars in our world. And that's the mm -hmm. cause right there. The sympathy, the respect for the other people. You can learn from these other. We, we learned from the American Indians. They had something to teach us. Uh, but th this respect was gone. There was fear on both sides. There was there were there there were massacres on both sides, but far more massacres of the Indians by the whites. How do you solve this with respect and with honoring your treaties? There's plenty of land in America for to for everybody. There weren't that many Indians in North America. They could have thousands of square miles. What the, we're not saying that the Indians were going to be the uh, the national owners of North America. What we're saying is that then when they occupy land, that's their land, and you have if if you want to get that land from them, you have to pay good money and assist them to uh, to to have a living in a better way, and that wasn't done. People were just robbed. It's a right. difference between occupation of land and having sovereignty over a vast area. Those are two different things. And this is in Helen Jackson's book. So this is this is a matter of respect. And if you have respect for people, you know, what do the people in Gaza need? They need respect. They need modern conditions. And what's happening to them now is... Uh, is the kind is really genocide. They're being bombed mercilessly. The war is spreading. And this is the present policy of the United States of America. Yes, it's being done through Israel. Crazy people in Israel who are who are undoubtedly 
they would have to be more and more insane day after day for the kind of retribution mm. that will fall on them. But this is a U.S. policy to have these wars. And, and, and we are repeating the kind of uh, internal crime and disaster that was the blot on our, on our national honor from, the, mm. from these early days. We should have developed the West the way Palmer wanted to do it. We ended up with, with having cowboys and Indians and shoot-em-ups and saloons and prostitutes and mining you know, interests from, from uh, Europe uh, running this whole damn thing. And this was the, this is our disaster. But we right. did develop our country in a way that ought to be shared with respect with other countries. So your Borgs just didn't have any respect for the people. If they have a superior civilization, prove that it's superior because you have respect for people. Otherwise, you're just mm -hmm. an ancient pagan empire that that is doomed. Yeah. You know, I I really appreciate that that clarification. I think it's so important that people learn that to, to just think in, in those nuanced terms. Uh, because and as you pointed out, there it's so important today, not just because of the 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 wrongs that are reverberating multi-generationally into the current present situation um in, in North America, but as you just rightfully pointed out, there's parallels to um what's going on in the middle east in the gaza in israel and the idea of the 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 chosen people the the superior the superior people uh doctrine is the same sort of poison that that caused or justified so much destruction in america's past of the exceptional nation right um that really lends itself to a lot of arrogance at the expense of anybody else who is thus inferior and thus because they're inferior you have the right to do with them as you see fit and what we see now with the worst expression of zionism uh with the same chosen people greater israel sort of self-delusionism which is taking people who have been living in subjugation in the gaza and the in the west bank and really uh, just treating them like they're subhuman so I think that there there are some interesting parallels that you've pointed out that that uh, we could learn from. But we're going to continue this as we go into a short commercial break, and uh, we'll pick this back up in about a minute uh, on TNT Radio Live. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, 
We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Deconstructing PSYOPs, propaganda, and mainstream media garbage. Connecting the dots. You're with Matt Arrett and Connecting the Dots on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're, we're back for the third segment of the first hour with Anton Shakin, who uh, will be gracing us with his presence, as I've just discovered, for the second hour as well, due to a, a somewhat misfortune, blessing maybe in disguise, one could think of it, uh, Vanessa Bealey, who was our, our scheduled guest, uh, in Damascus, due to certain scheduling issues and I think possibly a technical issue in uh, in Damascus, uh, cannot be here this week. We're going to ask her to be on next weekend instead. So, Anton, we're going to get double the expected time from Anton, who's going to be able to unpack a lot of these very, very thick ideas. So I'm very happy about that in that sense, because uh, these, these ideas are so important that they do merit a little bit more time to really uh, unravel. Now we were just talking about the uh, the issue of the First Nations um, peoples of uh, of North America throughout the 19th century and their interaction with um, the two Americas. You know, one could think of it the 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 authentic America American spirit that actually saw all men as being made equal with inalienable rights, made in the image of of a creator. Um, which has thus endowed everybody with the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness and the means of actualizing those things which involves by necessity technological progress without that you know one could choose to live in a in a dreamlike illusion thinking that you won't be exploited by empires that will be happy that you don't have technological progress and thus you will be as the chinese discovered in the century of humiliation humiliation um ripe for the pickings so the idea that we right. all have access and, and a right develop that uh anton was going through is, is so important and something we've lost an appreciation from uh, by and large in the in the west so it's really important to learn these lessons now, anton um we we've gotten a sense of a lot of the the more destructive uh modes of interaction between um Amer americans theodore roosevelt others before him and uh first nations peoples 
But at the same time, we don't have enough examples of positive efforts, positive examples of when this was working. Um, and I know that you've been mapping out some of these examples uh, with Palmer and others. Uh, can you give us a few, a taste of the good as well? In in the book, uh, Helen Jackson uh, talks about uh, William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, as a uh, whom the Indians uh, there, the Delawares, considered a great friend. Uh, there was some supposedly swindling treaty involved, but he really was a a a man of of uh, he was a Christian in the best sense of the word, and they 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 loved him. Uh, and then there was the founder of Georgia, uh, Oglethorpe, and he he founded that. Uh, as a where slavery was outlawed and uh, ran into uh, you know the fury of London and of the already settled South Carolina slave owners uh, but he was a great friend of the Indians they loved him and they had peace in Georgia until he was kicked out and his whole thing was his his whole thing was destroyed and they brought in slavery but uh, go back to the pilgrims who landed in in uh, the Puritans in Massachusetts, who had good relations with the Indians by and large, intermarried with them, so the tribes were were assimilated. There, you know, in later days they were truck drivers and uh, and you know coal miners or whatever. Um, but um, I want to say something about um, the American identity. What is America? Who are we? That's the title of my my book series. Now, uh, you know, there's there are some neo Nazis who say that the American American identity is white Protestants going back to, you know, the mists of time, and in that identity, going back to Europe with it, America disappears. The nation disappears. Why even have Declaration of Independence? What? Why? Why have an independent country? So, in my my uh, the the idea that most appeals to me, identity is a is a complex thing. There's many aspects to an identity, personal as well as national. But my idea of it is that you should uh, favor and and cherish the identity that goes with the highest uh, accomplishments and ideas and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the hopes and, and the persistent uh, things that you fight for. Uh, even if you, 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 you're, you have other, other things that are bad in your background, uh, because every country has some greatness of this kind, real greatness. I'm not talking about, you know, we're great because we can destroy other other people. That's what happened to Athens. They 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 went from being really great with Plato's ideas to being, you know, beating up other cities. And that that was their doom. So this to me is the identity that Americans should think of themselves as possessing. It's a great possession, uh, the highest ideas. And then seek that in other people. Seek that in other mm -hmm. nations. Uh, let me say something about the Jews, uh, of which I am one. 
by by my birth and heritage. Uh, they were uh, they were uh, displaced from place to place. They were murdered. They were lied about. Uh, they contributed great things to European and other civilizations. Uh, and so, but the crimes committed against them uh, and their, their treatment of being confined on these little reservations called ghettos are now reverberating in the world and are causing a, 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 a terrible misfortune for mankind. What, what's now become known as Zionist, you know, uh, strategy or something is really, a, it's an echo of all this mistreatment and now they're mistreating other people. And so the, the, all of these crimes uh, where America did the wrong thing, attacked Mexico in the Mexican War to grab land for slavery. Uh, the, the best people protested again. Lincoln was against that war as a congressman, but it was done in America's name. So isn't that coming back to hurt us now with the millions of panicked refugees trying to spill over to here from ruined places there in Central America? Uh, so, and the wars, the same thing. So uh, no crime of this sort is really uh, going to, you're not going to get away with it. Maybe you think you will, but then it's, it's your children are going to suffer from these things. So we, we, the way out of this is that kind of uh, uh, future uh, planning that is based on respect, as, as, as I was discussing. We have that in our background. Uh, Palmer had this respect for his, for his own people. There's a, a wonderful uh, uh, book about, his, uh, about the crimes, of, as I mentioned, it, that were committed by the U.S. troops in the South against the Southern people. Uh, uh, yeah, it's called The Secret of War. And the book is dedicated to Palmer, who was a brevet brigadier general in the war. And he was a cavalry leader, probably the best cavalry leader for the Union Army. And uh, he would always be in advance of his troops. But when he saw crimes being committed by our people, he fought it. He went against, uh, you know, uh, some of the authorities in the army to protest and do what he could to rectify this. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, even shot it out with some of these people. So when you are trying to uphold this honor of our country against crimes being committed in our name and, and by our policy, then you are a true American then you're upholding the honor of the country. This is the same thing that Helen Jackson did. Uh, she, she was trying to uphold the honor of our country by writing this book, Century of Dishonor. Uh, what do the Indians in America uh, need? Well, they've been given the right to have gambling casinos. And in some cases that has, you know, benefited some people with money. But uh, they have not been given what is rightfully theirs, 
which is real assistance and real resources to become powerful in our civilization. Everybody should have the right to, to uh, develop powers that make you powerful. Oil and gas on their lands, other minerals, rich lands, poor lands. Why should they be condemned to be on the poorest lands? Or if they are on poor lands, they should be developed with, with, with uh, irrigation. The Indians had irrigation right. in Phoenix. 500 miles of canals were built by the native Indians there before white people ever showed up. Uh, so by, by right, hmm. people have uh, the capabilities that you have to assist. And that's their right, especially because you went where they were and disrupted their way of life. They want that hand of friendship. When people say, well, they, they were told they had to adopt white man's ways. They had to cut their hair off. They had to abandon their native religions. They had to adopt the Christian religion. Bunk, what Christian religion? Was anybody that was cutting people's hair off uh, and, and separating them from their family a Christian? Mm -hmm. You know, Hitler was a Christian. That's not a good definition of a Christian. Uh, but the people were not given what they needed, which is done with respect. It's offered. It's not forced on anybody. And that's, that's right. they, they have the right now to have these things, to, to rectify what happened. Right. And, and that, that's this, this, the, the, the part of of faith that people often uh, skip out on is is the mandate. I think it's in the book of Matthew. Uh, the 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 mandate to love God, love your fellow man as you love yourself, and follow the golden rule. Right, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and and that gives vitality and meaning or, or substance to the the words and the 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 belief that one has of their relationship to the Bible or. Uh, the religious text that they that they give faith to, but but you have to walk the walk. You can't just simply say it and then do something which is completely in opposition to the principles that Jesus Christ lived for and died for, uh, which is unfortunately the case with so many slave owners, imperialists who probably did go to bed at night saying a little prayer. They it probably in many cases they thought yes. that they had a special relationship with Jesus and went to bed with a clear conscience and woke up the next day and and whipped their slaves and. And, you know, charted out some raid on a on a on a weaker, you know, uh, target rival nation to to be undermined. And it was OK because you're the chosen people. And uh, no, it's, it's a good it's a good point that you're bringing up there, too. By the way, uh, in her book, uh, Helen Jackson uh, deals with the American Revolution and talks about mm. the Cherokees who sided, many of them sided with the British to, you know, because they were being mistreated uh, after initial good, good uh, relations, the American settlers. But, but she says that the British used them to commit uh, atrocities. And this was the British hand using these formerly uh, you know, uh, 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 settled and and uh, and friendly people, and the, you, you, this this is wonderful on her part because this is something that was 
that was felt uh, as a resent resentment by Americans uh, in, in the north along the Canadian border uh, when you had these constant Indian raids, uh, you know, instigated by the British. But the Indians involved, uh, especially the best leaders, Tecumseh uh, to uh, and uh, later Geronimo, these are these were resistance leaders and there's no you have to you have to understand that the people on both sides the whites and the indians are entitled to respect respect for their memories respect now mm -hmm. is is it the right of an american indian who's who is who is in the past has been abused and 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 trampled upon is is it his right to go and massacre a farming family in Nebraska. Well, it, it, you're, you're getting into terrible uh, 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 nonsense when you when you think of it in that way. You know, people who are taking sides in the Middle East. Yes, you have to condemn this this mass murder that's going on by the Israelis. But what do you want to do in the region? Should we have continual war until evildoers are wiped out you're you're going into hell by that perspective you're not getting gonna get anywhere you have to interrupt the cycle of violence you have to forbid the 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 attacks and that the only way that can be done is for the u.s to change its policy of fomenting these wars and make agreements with the other large countries to police the area and to end the war. I'm talking about China and Russia in particular, USA, China, and Russia. Make agreements with them, you stop the war right away. And the people, the majority in every country of the region of the Middle East will go along with that and will we'll join in with you. The same thing can be done in Central and South America. You can solve these problems if you agree to give up the hostility to the other countries. That's a U.S. decision. But I guess the, the, the point that you're that has the, the, the most important point for this to work would be the economic development side of things, right? Like the, the importance of, of really creating new future pathways that involve giving, creating trade skills, a sense of hope, building things, which is often left out of these discussions about peace treaties or other things. But they are, people get, I think, a little bit too caught up in, in the formalities of, of war and peace. And they forget that the only way to make this work or sustainable would be to actually build infrastructure and build things that are long-term multi-generational, whether in the Middle East or North America. We have about 55 seconds left before we, we wrap, wrap it up and go into session two. So I don't know if you want to have any last big, thoughts on that idea. A, a big cause of these wars is the Anglo-American uh, policy of forbidding these other countries from getting industry and power and, and science. That's yeah. the cause of the war. So stop that policy and do the opposite. Cooperate to give people real power. When you say it like that, it's so simple. All right, so let's do this. Let's. Let's wrap it up at this point. We're going to go and shift gears after a commercial break and come back for the second session of Connecting the Dots. And we're going to continue this story with Anton Shakin. <laughs>